Okay, okay, okay. That's my new that's my new introduction since I get made fun of for my hey hey hey. I feel like it's a little derivative. Derivative of what? The one you used to do. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm a simple man. I I just have to switch my vowels around or something. All right. All right. I mean, you could ch- ch- try any word you like 3 times. Chad Sweet. We are talking about sugar today. Yeah. And uh, so what, what is, what is the, the main issue when it comes to sugar? Is it because we have so many advertisements out there telling us that this is good for us, that this is something that we need to have, that if we don't have sugar uh, in our system, we're going to just bonk out. If we're out there running long and strong and we run out of sugar, we're just going to fall over and we're not going to be able to finish the run. What do you think is the Uh, reason for all this sugar in our systems? Sugar. Uh, You know, I think that's part of it. I think advertising plays a, a huge role, especially when it comes to performance in athletes and runners, uh, a huge role in how much sugar uh, we take in. Um, you know, I think sort of bigger than that on a macro sense, you know, sugar is such a huge part of everybody's daily diet. And and that's whether you're taking it in or trying to fend it off. Um, it, it really is pervasive in almost every food that we take in. Yeah, I like that. I think we should call this episode the sweet on sugar. The sweet on sugar. Yeah, because you are Chad Sweet and yeah. we're talking about sugar. You see that? Uh, can we keep this short and sweet like there's, me? Oh, there's another one. Huh? We just This stuff just rolls off our tongues. I know. We don't even have to try. <laughs> so so I, I do want to... I do want to uh, address something that I think a lot of people can relate to, and and that is that we take in a lot more sugar, a lot more sugar than we used to. Yeah, that's for darn sure. And we we did a little bit of research here. And uh, Chad, you looked this up, but uh, 200 years ago. 200 years ago, we were looking at about... Uh, two pounds of sugar intake per person per year. Two pounds a year. So it's Christmas and you get an orange. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And that, you know, there's, uh, you know, a uh, hundred years ago, 50 years ago, um, we, we definitely had less sugar in our, in our diets, right? And now as a whole, we're getting in, I think, a lot more sugar than we even realize. Yeah. So, um, and and I know we've been dealing with this a little bit with our own as fathers, um, just bringing bringing this equation into what is maybe a good balance with uh, with our loved ones and mm-hmm. and and also uh, understanding that we don't want to completely restrict these. Um, 
you know, these treats. Right. And and see well, it. Well, a as, lot of it's not even treats though, too. A lot of it's just like normal what you would think is like normal food, like soup and um ketchup and you know, these things that you think, well, it's just it's just ketchup. You're just right. putting it on your um, you know, your whatever you're gonna eat, you know, for that meal, your hamburger or something like that. But that's added sugar. It's right. not naturally occurring. And by the way, to to finish that statistic, two years ago or sorry, 200 years ago, uh, Americans only ate about two pounds of sugar per year. Uh, currently, we approximately eat three pounds of sugar per week. Per week. Per week. Yeah. And that's the the average 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 person. So, yeah. and that that study we can we can link that into the show notes. Chad, where's mm -hmm. that from again? Uh, that's from the um, New Hampshire. Their, their Institute of Health, their Department, Department of Health. Department of Health, yeah. 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 Okay, so we're not just making this up, but I actually have been talking a, a lot lately with my own daughter about just how treats are a part of our lives and how we, we want to look forward to having treats. But why do we need to stay away from so much sugar, right? And putting this into simple terms, uh, I was telling you just, we walk the canyons behind our house every day. Um, I get home at about 5.30 and we have about a half an hour of daylight left and we walk the canyons with our dogs and we talk about our day and she always ends up challenging me to a race. Mm -hmm. And um, she uh, she's fast actually. So she may be nine years old, but she can legitimately beat me, but she knows that it's gotta be very short distance. <laughs> yeah. And she'll point to that fence that's about 40 yards away or that rock and go. And then she always, she always beats me to the line. She's fast. And I try to tell her then during times like that, Hey, you know, you know, what's, uh, what's, what's cool is you have so much abundance of good energy and you're getting so strong and you're developing into the best version of yourself with good nutrition because we make good choices. And every, every once in a while, I like to just bring up those kind of times when she's using performance. And then we can talk about why it's important that she makes good choices. And I think that that's a fine line in and of itself. Like we don't want to have so many restrictions that we feel like we don't have any fun and that yeah. we Why can't. are we living? Right. You know, so, but, you know, that being said, I think that most of us are, um, uh, we, we think about, exercising as a way to sort of burn off the sugar or something. Right. Right. Or allow it, you, you know, I, I exercise today or I ran five miles so I can have half a pint of ice cream tonight. Right. Right. And the way I try to think of it is that what we decide to consume and put into our bodies, that's, that's good energy in, or it can be good energy in. And I want that to help my performance, right? I want that to contribute to better performances, but also I just want to feel better. Right. And let's face it, if we're, sugar is, I think, America's biggest addiction, right? And it is acidic for our bodies. It is something that 
we can tolerate to a certain extent, but we're not really meant to get in an abundance of sugar like like we do. And when we, I want to be clear about something like fruit, though. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I just it's 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 something that really uh, sticks in my uh, side when I hear about how bananas are bad for you or something, <laughs> right? I mean, I, and I and I, I I will hear this from people that are let's say they every every night they're having wine or they're having some alcohol of some sort and then they're saying that bananas oh you eat bananas that's that's terrible that's that's mm -hmm. so much sugar yeah right yeah in other words uh, I'm sorry but a lot of people you got it turned around man I mean if you're yeah. if if you're saying that food from the earth is not good for you. We're just not on the same page. And in, in my mind, your body is going to um, adjust and it's going to contribute intuitively uh, to its energy needs and tell you what kind of uh, whole foods that it really needs. Yeah. And so I, I think of it this way very simply is that if we were to take something like... Um, oranges and you were to eat an orange or maybe even two you're going to feel pretty satisfied from having that orange or two and if you're craving it of course you probably need it and then you look at now smoothies or you look at things that we uh, that we take the fiber out of the orange just the we, orange juice orange juice yep and you can easily drink a glass of orange juice, which would be maybe the equivalent of six oranges without all the the fiber. And, and you're, you're now doing something you wouldn't normally do. You wouldn't mm -hmm. probably eat six oranges in, in a single <laughs> sitting, but you'll drink six oranges. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's where I think the bad rap can come from um, if well, we're once eating you, whole foods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, and that's exactly it. Once you divorce the sugar that's naturally found in that food from its other natural components like fiber, like if there's protein in it maybe, or uh, good fat or something like that. Once you divorce that from the sugar, now you've created this processed food that, you know, sugar is kind of like a drug. It really does play on the brain uh, as an addictive uh, uh, compound. That's right. And look, we're not... We're not uh, RDAs, you know, we're not dietitians. We're, this is just our opinions and want to make sure that I point that out, that if I have an opinion on something, it's because through time and experience and, you know, I've, I've definitely done a lot of, um, I've tried to educate myself as much as possible on these topics, but there, there are some gray areas and certainly we could be missing some of those areas with certain uh, people with certain endocrinology issues mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah, We're yeah, not yeah. talking about those extremes. We're just talking in general. I think that nutrition doesn't have to be that complicated. Um, and, you know, I'm just, I, as, as a coach and of course building uh, a reputation as a strength and conditioning coach over 20 years, this will be the common uh, scenario. I'll, I'll go to 
um, you know, a gathering or something, a picnic or a party or something like that. And I'll always have people say, oh, what do you do? Or, or that maybe they know of me. And then they say, um, yeah, so I just, I just need to get rid of this. Right. And it's just, a, you know, an, an area around their waistline that they, that, that they want to get rid of. Right. And there's no such thing as spot reduction. You can't decide that you're just going to do some sit-ups or you're going to do <laughs> something that creates a burn in your abs. And then you're, you're going to magically, uh, get rid of body fat that way. Right. It's, it always comes down to uh, the same type of conversation, which is I'm on this new diet and in the diet, I'm, it's just simply giving you rules all of a sudden. Right. Yeah. So I'm allowed to have these things and then nothing else. Right. And of course, this scenario plays out that in a few months they're off the diet because as a general definition to me, if you say diet to me, it's not going to work. Right. Right. I'm on a plan, right. That involves whole real foods and good choices and consistency that I can do year after year after year. That is what is going to work. Mm -hmm. If you can't see yourself doing it, in a year from now or 10 years from now even, then is it something that really should even start, right? I think that when it comes to uh, the conversation around sugar, especially though, we're just, we're really looking at um, like some, some sort of magic bullet or some sort of area that we don't really want to have the truth. We don't want to hear the truth about it. In other words, I'm going to tell you what you need to hear more than what you want to hear. And mm -hmm. that's where eyes glaze over on me when I start to say, <laughs> well, you know, let's look at what you've been doing over the last few days, few weeks, few months. Right. And, uh, oh, I, I, you know, I, I eat pretty well. Right. Okay. Let's, let's, let's actually track that for a few days. And yeah. I'm not, by the way, I don't count my calories. I don't feel like I need to. And that's not because I have really good genetics. It's not. The majority of the, the uh, people in my family are actually overweight. It is because of choices, right? That we all can make. And it does come down to calories in versus calories out. Um, I'm sorry, but there's no real secret to that. Um, some of us, we don't have as much satiety as others. In other words, some people don't have as much of a trigger to say, okay, I've had enough and they want to keep eating more. That's mm -hmm. a very small percentage of people that, um, that, that, that have that type of real, uh, issue. In other words, like I've heard of things like the, the fat gene and, uh, these, these type of, uh, contributions every single time I talk to people, it's really about, are you really aware of the choices that you've made and what they've done over time? And are you willing to change those things? Are you willing to put together a sensible plan for yourself and accept the fact that over time, you will lose weight incrementally by sticking with a good plan, but it's, you know, the 30-day fat loss and mm -hmm. all these kind of things that I think really are a disservice to people, but that's what people want to hear. Right. Not what they need to hear. Right. I mean, the simple way to say it is, is eat less, move more. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and why are we talking about this so much? Because with with runners, I was telling I was telling you, Chad, that as a coach, when I was working um, uh, with high school kids and I was a cross country and track coach, I would hear from parents that, you know, their kids needed to have that sugary electrolyte drink. Mm hmm. We or won't name like, which one it is. Uh, right. <laughs> or are, are they, you know, and that now that that's, that's part of the thing too, is like, there's so many options out there, right? Yeah, and we yeah. won't even get into all the stimulants that they put into these quote unquote sports drinks. They're not sports drinks. They're yeah. not for, uh, they're not made for better performance. They're made for money and to sell you more of it and to get you addicted to it. And, you know, all of that stuff, you, uh, you I literally had, parents saying that their kid was going to like pass out if they didn't have this this sports drink with them and they need to be allowed allowed to have this drink otherwise they're going to be dehydrated right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and this is just uh silly you know it's just nonsense and when when we're out there running hard and we might need about uh say 60 grams of sugar in an hour running hard and we might have those kind of sessions where we do need to replace that sugar that again is something that I believe uh, banana and some water for the most part is going to be um, a great substitute for mm -hmm. some sports drink that we don't really need. But that being said, we do have some needs as athletes to get in more sugar. And when we desire that sugar, that's when I would go to more fruit, right? And right. I would replace that those needs with my gut telling me when I've had enough and when I'm hungry or when I need something sweeter or when I need something saltier, I have it. Mm -hmm. I don't restrict myself of those things. I'm certainly not saying not to have those things, but what I'm saying is that when we drink something really sugary too, before we know it, we've consumed too much. We don't even, we haven't ha even had time to register that yet. Right. So it's so easy to overconsume these sugary products. And we don't really need to vilify, um, you know, things like fruits and think that that's what's bad for us. Right. But then we're still having um, all of these other boxed foods that have sugar built into them. We're not even realizing it. Like, oh, I'm having a protein bar and the protein bar has more grams of sugar yeah. than protein yeah. and certainly more grams of sugar than fiber. Yeah, to make it palatable. And that's not, that's not even to talk about all the other chemicals and whatever that they put in to these things that are labeled as sports or recovery or healthy bars or drinks or whatever because they pour a lot of junk in there. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I'll take a gel with me, for example, when I'm out on a long run. And most of the time I take it in case I feel like I need it. Um, and especially if I'm going out and running for a couple hours, then I might have something like that, um, you know, about an hour into the run. Or maybe some pickle juice. And maybe Bill was talking about that. I, I Yep. <laughs> I like to, I get home and I, I drink from the pickle jar. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, I, I, that's that for me though that is something again that i know 
that I need to replace some of the sodium, I can feel it. And I, and I do in that case have some extra sodium and it's something that I think will help with my recovery and will help with my performance and my consistency. But, you know, having all of these things around us so accessible all the time, kind of getting back to what we were talking about before, of course, a uh, hundred years ago, we didn't have accessibility to these things. And somehow we survived, traveled great distances, were able to uh, perform very well. Now, of course, there are other factors that, that we have to consider, but just sticking with that idea that we are able to perform our best when we're really more intuitive with what we need. And I think we lose a lot of that intuitiveness when we're constantly taking or eating from wrappers and boxes and not really stopping to, to read those labels and to see what, what's really in them. Um, and as a general rule, just whole, real, fresh foods. I don't think that it's easy to overconsume those type of things, right? And fiber is a big reason for that. So, yeah. you know, th th this is something that I just keep talking to people about over and over. And this type of podcast, I know you may, as a uh, as an athlete listening, you may realize that you should get in a little bit more of these whole real foods. You may think that some of the products that you're using are good, but if you read the label, you might realize that it's got a lot of additives in there or proprietary blends, and you don't really know what's in there, et cetera. But just... I'd like to just talk to you, Chad, about what it is that that you see when it comes to even your own life, the main problems you see in overconsumption of these ready, readily available foods that aren't really food. Yeah, you know, advertisers and, and corporations have made it so easy for us to not choose the right thing. Um, they talk about things like food deserts in, in, uh, our urban settings where you can't find fresh vegetables and fruit. And, and that's just ridiculous. Those are the things that you should be able to find, you know, talk about, you know, how much it costs to buy a boxed treat versus how much it costs to buy an organic apple. And it's oftentimes more expensive to buy the stuff that's good for you. In the short term, it's more expensive. Uh, and so, you know, I think that that, that that plays a lot into whether we are uh, uh, interested in performing or we're just living our everyday lives. You know, we fall back on quote unquote convenience, but there is literally nothing more convenient than a fresh food in its own wrapper. And that's what an apple is, and that's what a banana is, and that's what most fruits are. You don't, they don't need to be ziplocked, they don't need to be shrink wrapped or anything like that. Uh, and, you know, when it comes to other things like cooking and, and uh, planning ahead what your food intake is going to be, you know, yeah, of course, that takes a little bit more preparation than, you know, let me look in the freezer and see what I can microwave. Uh, but, you know, what's the cost of that really? And, and we're really good as human beings at dealing with short trauma, 
We see something traumatic happen, it happens to us, and we deal with that problem right, right away, and we have solutions for it, and we have medicine for that, and we have doctors for that, or whatever. But looking at that trauma that that spans decades before we see what the outcome is really going to be, that's harder for us to deal with, especially on a day-to-day level and to continue to make those choices that are good for us. And that, and being able to reverse that is really, really difficult. Changing habits, as you know, is really hard and, and sugar and, you know, salt too, and all the chemicals that can be uh, in some of these things that changes the way we taste things. It changes the way our the chemicals in our body are reacting and our uh, the, the chemicals in our brain and all of those things. And and you know I'm not saying it's easy or anything to to change the road that that our food systems have led us down, but it's something that you know, we should really endeavor to do, it's going to be better for us. It's going to be better for the planet. It's going to be better usually for like our local economy to, you know, to buy local, locally grown fruits and vegetables. Uh, I mean, that's always better. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd like to make sure we talk about timing because I think that's Mm. another um, misconception. And again, my, what I have seen, my opinion on this, but what I have seen is that uh, there's an awful lot of people that think, um, okay, I shouldn't eat past five o'clock at night. Yeah. Right. Because somehow if I have sugar too close to bed, then that's bad. It turns instantly to the fat around my belly. Right. Yeah. Right. Versus just uh, what, what did you have throughout the day? Mm-hmm. And Things like intermittent fasting, d- does it work? Yes. And do uh, do I even have uh, clients that, that use that type of approach? Yes. And, and it can work for them if that's what they choose to do. But really, it comes down to um, how many calories are you taking in that you actually need versus how many calories that are going out that you're using. And the, the timing is not what matters, in, in my opinion, and what I've seen is, and my own results really, is, is that it comes down to what you are using or utilizing for better energy and, and better recovery, and not worrying so much about timing, but understanding that if there's a certain time of the day that you're uh, let's say um, on a lull and you just feel bonked and you don't have good energy that might be related to what you had a couple hours ago or an hour ago oh yeah right well and and that really plays into uh, endurance athletes you know if they're taking in you know stupid amounts of sugar cuz they think it's going to help them when they go run this race and then halfway through the race they feel like poo there's a good chance that that's equitable, you know, equatable to how much sugar they had before they started. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's where training and racing, there's there's also um, some some ideas about how when you're getting ready for a race, you'll have more refined carbs. And that's true, mm-hmm. right? You 
you store up some some energy for that that race. But on a on a daily basis, I'm going to work more off of slow released uh, carbohydrates mm-hmm. and get that energy to go out, dispersing out throughout the day. So something that's more complex um, energy wise, right? So oatmeal in the morning it might work for some people. Some people, they might want to have um, salad in the middle of their day so they don't feel that bonk, right? But what does salad have in it? A lot of fiber, right? Mm-hmm. So what works for you there, but just those constant peaks and valleys, if you're experiencing that, I think it's really good to look at what you've been taking throughout different uh, aspects and parts of your your plan and your routine. So in other words, if you have a little bit more sugar around your training session, that certainly could be needed. And that's something that you can contribute to performance and also even recovery, right? But there's uh, there uh, our schedules changes and and there's that intuitiveness that I think that we need to understand so we say okay I just I just ran this morning and so now I'm craving something like an an orange or a banana or something mm-hmm. um you should probably have that orange or banana right um on a different day I didn't run this morning and I usually have an orange or banana this time of day well, you might not need it that at that time that day, right? So understanding that there's going to be changes and ebbs and flows, but it's more about understanding the why behind things and mm-hmm. what you really need. And so intuitive eating, I think, is a good way to go. But in the beginning, I think that you need some structure. You need to have um, a log. You need to figure out what's working for you, why it's working, when it works, and then build off of that until the point where you don't really need to log those things yeah, as yeah. much anymore, right? Yeah, that's almost like a, a, a version of self-assessing, a self-assessment for you nutrition is doing that logging or journaling or whatever and just understanding what your baseline is and saying, okay, this is where I am right now. What's my progression? Right, because you know we've had uh, Dr. Albertson on here talking about supplements and why most of them are crap, even <laughs> though she has a supplement. All right, and we uh, those episodes that we uh, that we talked to Dr. Albertson. If you haven't heard those, definitely listen in on that. But I, I I'll put it this way: I go to somebody's house and I will see around their uh, cupboards or in their cupboards, you see all of this crap really that they have. And then you will see a whole bunch of supplements that are somehow supposed to like equal out all the crap that they're taking in, right? If your nutrition isn't dialed in, supplements are not going to be the answer. And even if your nutrition is dialed in, I think supplements are they're small percentages of a difference in your performance at it's right, best. It's right in the name. It's supplemental. It's supplemental, right? But I can't stress that enough. And you go to any marathon, right? And you look at the people on the start line. Most of them are still dealing with 
extra weight, right? Extra fat that they don't really use or want to have, right? And it's harder on their joints, of course. So it's not all about aesthetics, by the way, but it is about heart health, of course. That's mm-hmm. first and foremost. And it's just not healthy to be overweight. And especially though, when you look at things uh, or you look at people who are doing all of this training and putting all of this hard work, right? If exercise could take away, take away that bad diet, or in other words, if exercising were enough to eliminate the bad habits, um, then you would see a bunch of really uh, lean people on the line, right? But, yeah, for sure. But that's not what you see a lot of times, um, or really for most of the time, that's not what you see. And so my point to that is, um, we're looking for that magic pill too often. I think we're literally looking at those supplements as being some kind of an answer to the issues that we have when it comes to our performance or, um, you know, our aesthetics or whatever. And it really goes down to those basics, the basics, the basics. And are you really dialed in with good nutritional habits that you're, that you are consuming good foods every day, that you are really focused on what is best for your optimal health and that you're really not trying to restrict yourself. I have ice cream or I have Oreos. I have things like that. You do, but it is occasional. It's not an everyday occurrence. And when we do have those things, it doesn't affect us in a negative way. It's fine to have those things, I think, um, just incrementally. But the majority of the time, we're, we have really good habits. So what I, what I think of it is, is if you are getting a C in school, right, or a D or an F, right, there's a problem there. And we have to study harder. We have to start to really hit the books. We have to learn more about the subject, right? And uh, we can't just take a cheat sheet and get an A, right? Well, that, those supplements or those the, those quick fixes, those things uh, won't turn our C or D or F nutrition into an A. So we should work towards getting at least, say, a B plus, A minus, before we're looking at whether or not this supplement can uh, make up the difference, right? Um, like I said, supplements are probably at best going to give a uh, a one two percent advantage, um, maybe if we're dialed in, and if we're right. not, it probably does nothing. And that's the supplements are actually good, <laughs> right? Which is only uh, uh, unfortunately a few few supplements out there. So, point is that we don't. We don't cut corners. We put in the good work. Let's honor that with better choices for our bodies with eating whole, real, natural foods. And, you know, that's that's kind of as simple as it sounds, because people might be saying, well, what exactly are you talking about when, it, when you're saying these whole, real, natural foods? I mean, you know what they are. And that's every time I talk to people about the, uh, their, their issues, right, when it comes to their nutrition, whether it be performance or, you know, athletics or aesthetics, right? It just, to me, it comes down to the same thing. The conversation is pretty repetitive. These these answers they know they know what's good for them, but really, are you prioritizing those things? And like you said, Chad, are you planning and putting that together for yourself during the week? 
or are you just basically running to that uh, that quick fix through a supplement or are you just grabbing that box because it's convenient or going through the drive through because it's convenient and then thinking that's okay I'll I'm gonna run later so I'll burn yeah. it off right yeah. it doesn't work no nope. quite like that not quite uh, folks that was our not so short and sweet episode on sugar. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you take the time to, uh, do some research into your, uh, into sugar and take the time to maybe do some logging or journaling about your own nutrition and see if any of this conversation can help you out. Um, if you're interested in checking us out online, you can go to Instagram or Facebook or YouTube and search for Pendola Project. You can find us on the webs at pendolaproject.com. And, uh, we do have online strength training for runners, our relative run readiness video series. Uh, so go check that out. You can find that at our website, pendolaproject.com. Yeah, man. Woohoo.